The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings, it's John Howard. Welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast. Our special guest today, as always almost, is Paul Mitchell, uh, numbers cruncher extraordinaire with Political Data Inc. And Naked runner. Oh. <laughs> we have to can't get 30 seconds yeah. into the podcast without we, bringing that without up. Without doing that, okay. Uh, I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And as I said, Paul Mitchell. Howdy. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, the news today, as you well know, is uh, the independent... That Roseanne lost her show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're borrowing someone's office and their phone is ringing, so we'll just have to, uh, we'll have to do some um, editing so yeah. here, uh, Well, so. actually, you know what's interesting? I think the big story right now okay. is the, the rate of absentee ballot returns and what that says. Okay. Um, you know, we at PDI have for years had this data of voters as they're casting ballots. We get the data from all 58 counties, and we put it into the campaign's systems so that they can stop like having to mail and phone call people who've already voted. Mm-hmm. And it had mostly been used in that way in California for decades. The last few election cycles, we've been putting this out there as like public information. Here's the people who voted, not names and addresses, but you know, this many Democrats, this many Republicans, this many Latinos, and giving some little tidbits of analysis of that population of people who return their ballots. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, we kind of put that all on crack. There's there's, uh, it's like on hyperdrive, steroids. Uh, this new system, people who are on the campaign, running their own campaigns, using the voter file, they can take any of their own likely voter universes and put these up into these infographics that will show them who's voted. And then they can see it on precinct-level maps to see how many of their supporters voted or not. So they can zero in. They can really zero in. Mm-hmm. And then the public has access to two versions of the tool. Uh, one that's on the cell phone and the other one that's on the desktop. And those allow you to see the rates of ballot returns by party, like day by day. It allows you to see the breakdown of who's returned their ballots based on ethnicity, partisanship, age. And there's a ton of crazy and interesting information there. And the desktop version also has that mapping tool. So you can zoom in on the 48th Congressional District and look at Costa Mesa and see every precinct in Costa Mesa. And you can see side-by-side maps. One map will show you everybody who's received an absentee ballot in the party breakdown, and the other side will show you everybody who's returned those absentee ballots in a party breakdown. Does the public engage in this? I mean, do you find that the public... I see the political well, junkies doing it, but what about yeah. the members of the public? It's, the, it's really the political junkies who um, are in the media or who are in politics and work in the, around the legislature or work in local government yeah. and politics, but might not have access to a full statewide voter file. They might not have a campaign account. They are hyper-interested probably in politics. That's why they're listening to this podcast. That's mm-hmm. why they're going to the PDI website and getting counts. Um, that's why they're interested in a lot of this, this data, even nationally. We've been getting a lot of folks nationally who are watching those competitive congressional races. Sure. And yeah. they're going every day and running these reports. You can actually print them out as PDFs or images. And they're tracking each day the ballot returns. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a call from a reporter last week 
who said that he had just gotten a call from Daryl Issa, mm-hmm. who was walking through the tracker and looking at who had voted in his district really? and trying okay. to make prognostications That's about turnout. Rather than ask his own guy, he's just asking you. Yeah, well, he's just he's just going using the tool himself. Yeah, I mean, that's sure. one of these kind of a do-it-yourself congressman, I guess. Is there anything you're seeing? Uh, I think you alluded to this in some stuff you've written. But is there anything you're seeing about what we've been calling in California? You know, flipping the districts. Do you see anything yet that's telling you anything about that? Well, the analyzing the data is really interesting. You can look at it just for what it is, and you can see that, as an example, young people aren't turning out in large numbers. Young people are essentially a quarter of the voter file, and they're about 11% of people who've cast their ballots. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seniors are a quarter of the voter file, roughly, yet they're 48% of people who've returned their ballots. So you've got this... We are not giving up the power. You are not, absolutely not. Grabbing on. Yeah. Um, So we see that statewide, and then we see that in district by district. In some districts, it's even worse. Like in 39th, I believe, the competitive congressional district, uh, Ed Royce's seat that he vacated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that 18 to 34-year-old turnout is only 7% Whoa, of really? the vote that's been cast. And that's that's like should be a punch in the gut to some people. Um, we also see uh, partisan differences. In fact, we'll talk about this. The Republican Party, 25% of the voter file, there are about 26% of people who've retained, re- received an absentee ballot in the mail, but they're, you know, 32, 33% of the people who've actually returned a ballot. Mm-hmm. So that's a, um, that essentially speaks to their, you know, their viability. Yeah, right now they're mm-hmm. 34% of people who've returned a ballot. Um, and that's sort of, that traditionally Republicans have had better turnout. Have they proportionally they've had yeah. better turnout? Yeah, so essentially the lower turnout overall the better Republicans do. Because when turnout drops, it doesn't drop like an ocean level where everything drops evenly. Yeah, uh-huh. It drops like like a seesaw almost. Just one side falls out. Yeah. And the side that's falling out is uh, younger voters, people who move more. Maybe their ballot isn't coming to the same house. Maybe they don't live near where their polling place is. Maybe their ballot goes to their college or goes to their home or whatever and they don't get it. Um, minorities... Uh, you know, these, these populations that generally trend democratic. And the people who still vote at high rates are, you know, the older, whiter homeowners, more conservative voters. And so you see that in these early returns. And we're not talking like a small number. This is 1.25 million votes that have been cast so far. Mm-hmm. And if we think that on average we're looking at like 6 million ballots being cast – Right. That's about that's that would be a standard projection for a primary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking, you know, 20 percent of the vote already in and this cratering of young person wow. turnout, this overperformance of Republicans. Latinos right now are at 14 percent turnout. For reference, in the 16 primary, they were 13 percent turnout. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit lower. And they ultimately by Election Day were 20 percent of the votes cast. Mm-hmm. So they should do better after you account for poll voters, largely because of L.A. L.A. doesn't have a lot, a lot of absentees. So Latinos should do better than this 14%, but it's really an open question as to how much better mm-hmm. will they get to six, PDIs projecting 16 to 17% for Latino turnout. How about what's the overall turnout overall, not just county by county, but you're looking at 25 or 30%. It sounds like a low. So the 14 primary was 24%. That was a record low. Uh-huh. The average is more like 34%. And if you were to like, really pin me down, I would probably say that 34% is probably the 
kind of the starting point of a conversation about turnout. Yeah. And if it's over 34%, I consider that high turnout. If it's under 34, low turnout. Um, so I think 34% is kind of the baseline we should consider. Uh-huh. As, okay. as, and that's where I get that 6 million ballots mm-hmm. cast, and that we're about 20% of the way there. Um, so that's a six. That's six million, as opposed to nineteen million registered, right? Yeah, nineteen million registered. Yeah. Okay. Um, Does anything in in your uh, you know your data crunching tell you why there's so many eligible? I think twenty four million, twenty five million mm-hmm. eligible voters, but six million of them don't even don't don't register. I mean, is there some reason that you've picked up on why people don't register? Yeah. So first off, that eligible voter population, it's an estimate from uh-huh. the you know, U.S. Census. So that's not really a fixed number. We don't know exactly what it is. Um, But um, there is definitely an unregistered population. And the unregistered population was its smallest, meaning we had the highest rate of total registration in recent history at the end of the 2016 general election. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we will find out, as the DMV does this automatic registration, how much kind of more there is there in like the kind of gettable voter registration. I mean, if somebody's mm-hmm. living in a cabin in Siskiyou County and, you know, they might not be registering to vote ever. Um, but, um, and some young people aren't going to register to vote immediately. They might register to vote when they get yeah. older. Mm-hmm. Automatic registration should absorb a lot of that and probably, we've seen estimates, you know, two to four million more registered voters by the 2020 uh, presidential election. So we, we see more registered voters, but not necessarily the engagement level increasing. I mean, we, but we see yeah. more people actually registering. What's well, ironic, young people, right? We could, after motor voter gets fully implemented, actually see lower turnout rates. Hmm. Because okay. if we increase the denominator right. to 24 million voters, and we say 6 million voters are going to turn on the primary, let's say 7 million voters turned out in a primary in the future. Well, even if it's seven million, the rate of turnout would be right. lower if yeah. we had, you know, uh, twenty-four million voters as the denominator. So, um, but yeah, the just registering somebody doesn't turn them into a voter, but it yeah. does remove a hurdle, mm-hmm. and I think that that's probably important. And I think that um, anybody who's interested in making our electorate look more like California should be interested in removing that barrier. There's no reason why we should, you know require registration the way that we do and uh, deadlines for it and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. if we had to have registration deadlines for for getting uh, your wife a Valentine's gift or Uh-oh. getting your kid a birthday card, we'd Uh-oh. all be screwed. <laughs> getting a Christmas present or getting your taxes done. I mean, this, <laughs> God, you've named them all. <laughs> These are, but, um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, the, the, that is... One of the most interesting things I think that we're seeing today is this absentee ballot tracking. And in the article that I wrote, we have links to these trackers and they are available to the public. They don't release any individual voter information. Um, They're only aggregate data that's built up. One last element that's always interesting to us, and we wrote an article about it, is that um, L.A. voters are actually underperforming relative to the Bay Area. And... Uh, right now, L.A. voters are only 14% of the votes that have been returned, and the Bay Area is at 24% of the votes being returned. And, and L.A. County has got 
four or five million registered voters, right? Yeah, and it's it's huge, and it's actually yeah. larger than the Bay Area in total registration, yeah. but it's lower than the Bay Area in terms of who votes. Uh-huh. And in the article that we I did like to see a while ago, California dominant over Southern California. Uh, I just thought I'd throw no that Dodgers go Dodgers. <laughs> uh, no, I'm an LA guy, and uh, wait, still, even though you, how long have you been up here? I re-registered to Sacramento about three years ago. I've lived here for twenty. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, the secrets out. Yeah, no, Glendale all the way. Um, don't tell Daryl Steinberg. Don't Daryl doesn't care. I don't think. Um, but uh, you know, this impact in our elections is going to be interesting in this cycle because we do have races with Angelinos running against people from the Bay Area, yeah, yeah, yeah. and traditionally, uh, Angelinos haven't fared well because a the voters don't vote in the same rates down there, and that's a big problem and one that I think they've been trying to remedy. And two, honestly, the media down in L.A. doesn't give the same kind of attention to its county elected, city elected oh, legislators yeah. that you get in the Bay Area. Like when there's a mayor, something happens to a mayor in San Francisco, uh, it's a big deal and it's in the paper. And there's regional papers, the Mercury News and and the yeah. Oakland Tribune and the, and the, and the Chronicle. Yeah. And they cover... What's happening there? And in L.A., nobody covers what happens with a state senator unless he gets caught giving drinks to underage girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even Capital Weekly would cover that. Yeah, I know. Anybody <laughs> cover that. Hey, the big news today, I, I thought, was the um, was the pass the sort of passing the baton now, at least in the numbers. Independents, declined to state voters, have uh, surpassed Republican voter registration. According to the preliminary numbers, Secretary of State said they were going to put out official numbers on Friday. But, you know, and they didn't want to comment on these numbers. They didn't dispute them. They didn't confirm them. But yeah. So independent declined to state voters at 25.5%. And, and Republican GOP voter registration at 25.1%. It's not that this is unsur... I mean, this is a big surprise. It's been in train here for quite a while. Yeah. Um, at least 20 years now. or I think it's double now over 20 years ago in 1998. But this is a trend that's been going on. What, yeah. What's is that it, tell us? I mean, what's interesting is the trend that's been going on that I think reporters have had a hard time holding themselves back from reporting. Uh-huh. The front page of the LA Times recently was all about how this was going to happen. Yeah. And generally... And others know, reported that 20 years ago. So. Yeah, I mean, it's been an ongoing <laughs> thing. So, um, you know, the it, there is a little bit of surprise for this of the you know for me there's a little surprise here and that I thought this was something that would happen before November yeah. because before general elections you generally see more independent voter registration before primaries you generally see more partisan registration okay and um so yeah they eked a little bit ahead of mm-hmm. republicans by it looks like 75,000 voters one of the things that we believe actually contributed to this is the change of the process for registration at the DMV and this automatic registration has caused um, a large number of new and re-registrations by people who are just going to go register, uh, you know, get a driver's license, mm-hmm. or register a car or whatever. And the automatic registration used to be, they ask you, hey, would you like to register to vote? Which is akin to asking you, hey, would you like to hang on the DMV for five more minutes? Which I wouldn't want to do ever. And now they ask you, hey, you register, we're registering you to vote, fill out this form if you don't want to. So yeah. it flips the, the way that it's done. And more and more people are registering to vote as a part of their process of being at the DMV um, because it's honestly easier to just do that than to like try to get out of it. And 
the way the forms, the way the process works is if you just flew past it, bam, 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 you would get registered as a no party preference. Um, you can select, I want to select a party and then select a party, but it's, you have to actually, you know, go through so the So the default is the default is, state. Yeah, the default is NPP, no party preference. And um, as a result of that, we've seen that a lot of these new DMV registrations that are coming in are coming in no party preference. Now, that could be one of two things. One is the process is essentially advantaging NPP just in the way that right. it's done. Yeah, sure. The second could be the people that the DMV is capturing are people who aren't already currently registered yeah. or they're, uh, you know, and they're more likely to be nonpartisan to begin with. They're more likely to want to register as independent if they kind of feel like they have to register. Like, I guess I, I didn't yeah. want to vote, but I guess if I'm going to vote, I guess I'll be independent. And so it's hard to know. It's not hard to know what's causing that, like mechanical right. okay. or organic. But one way or the other, it looks as though the thing that put this over the edge was that wave of new registrations coming out uh -huh. of the DMV. Okay. Do, is there any, uh, I don't know if the word is algorithm, or is there any secret sauce out there for consultants, for strategists to try to come yeah. up with? How many of these people are no party preference because they just want to get out of there? How many actually are committed to no party preference? So the, there are two tools that we have in the PDI that campaigns use regularly. One is... Um, we have Democrats and Republicans and all the parties, but we also have something called Dem Plus and something called REAP Plus. Dem Plus is any Democrat plus any independent that we know is kind of a Democrat. And we know they're kind of a Democrat because they have pulled a Democratic ballot, like when they got a Democratic ballot to vote for Bernie versus Hillary, right? That, we have those flags. Everybody who got a ballot saying they want a Democratic ballot even though they're registered independent. And we have that data going back for a long period through the California's different machinations of the open primary. Yeah. Um, we also have people who maybe donated to a Democratic or Republican candidate. And so that data is in there. Then on top of that, PDI now has modeling data so that all the independents in the voter file are modeled as to their kind of partisan lean. Mm -hmm. And so campaigns can go into it and they can say, okay, you know, I want all Democrats plus everybody who's over a score of 75 or whatever it is in the partisan lane of independence. And by that, they can construct like what is a larger and more true population of voters is likely to vote on the Democratic side in a, in a contest. So, yeah, that, that's what campaigns are doing. And, and it's of growing importance right now with the growth of independent registration. Mm -hmm. and, and also in a primary election, you have to think... Somebody who's a registered independent, who's basically said, like, I don't care about the political parties, like, let them figure it out, they're not the ones turning out in this primary. The ones that are turning out in this primary election are usually independents who are more Republican than the Republican yeah. Party or more Democratic than the Democratic Party. And um, uh, Do they break a certain way? They uh, do, yeah. Um, there's been some studies that said about two-thirds of the independents are more lean Democrat than lean Republican. Ah, okay. Um, but when you actually look at high turnout independent voters uh -huh. in the primaries, it's more even uh, Democrat and Republican. And then what's interesting is that when you look at certain things that we've done, like in our polling, where we've asked um, independent leading or Republican-leaning independents, they're like the most pro-Trump as an example. Huh, okay. And the independents that are leaning Democratic are the most pro-single-payer. Single as opposed to the registered party. More so than the registered party. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's, it is really interesting, but it is kind of like um, a kind of mental shortcut people make is independent voter me means moderate. 
and it doesn't honestly. Um, independent voter means kind of not tied to one of these kind pockets. Of pox of, on both your houses. It can be, or it, it can be like you know, the independents who lean Republican are the ones that bury guns in their backyards. You know, they're the really conservative ones, and the independents they accidentally need they meant to uh, register as American Independent Party. Oh God, don't even get started on <laughs> American Independent Party. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, that's um, uh, the American Independent Party is still a problem out there with people registering with a party. And as long as the Republicans are beating them, they're doing yeah. yeah. What's the, what's the best? Is it MPP no party preference? Is that better than decline to state? You or? know, we we at PDI still use decline to state. Yeah, it's just easier. The code that we have internally in our back end system is DS. Yeah. Um, I like independence too, but I know that gets confusing. Independent is normal the, layperson term is independent. Yeah, that's right. Um, and but the technical term is no party preference because you know what's funny is. Do you know how many Democrats we have in California? 44.6%? Zero. How so? We have zero Democrats in California. We have zero Republicans in California. Because of the open primary, they had to essentially eliminate the parties. And when, oh, you, register, for when you register, you register as preferring the Democratic Party or preferring the Republican Party. Oh, yeah. So if you look, it's that preferring such and such, which has allowed the open primary to exist. The open okay. primary in the earlier court cases against it said you can't have people who are Republicans in that club impacting the race in oh, a sure. group yeah. for another sure. club. That was like a big issue. Separate though. clubs. Right. So they basically got rid of the clubs. And they said, we're not Democrats and Republicans. We're people who prefer Democrats, people who prefer Republicans. California leads the way, baby. In, yeah, leads the way in obscure election <laughs> is there, laws. Is there any other state that does that? I don't know. Most people in California don't even know it. No. It's, it's a really just kind of a... A nerd thing. What's what's the takeaway for candidates in this? They see the data that's come out today. They see these numbers that's coming out. Is well, there something you know? I think the takeaway is probably the the takeaway most people are going to have is probably the wrong takeaway. The takeaway people are going to have is that this is some kind of a a thing about the Republican Party. Yeah. And honestly, I think it it isn't. The Republican Party is not keeping up with registration in California for you know, probably a lot of different reasons. Um, but the growth of independent registration is just as much harming the Democratic Party as the Republican Party. When the independents that people are registering to vote in, independent are younger progressives, minorities, people who live in apartments, people that go, you know, young college students and everything, when that's the independent population and they look and smell and feel like they should be Democrats, but they're choosing not to register with the Democratic Party, that is... That's a problem for the Democratic Party. So you have two things essentially happening at the same time. You have Republicans uh, not able to capture kind of the, with their own messaging, the, the hearts and minds of these new registrants. But you also have Democrats who should have an advantage with a lot of these individuals, not being able to get the more easy sell uh, to get them in the Democratic Party. Okay. What'll be interesting is whether or not they turn out, but when those voters do turn out, they'll generally vote with one of the two parties. And you mentioned in the piece you wrote today that really we're going to be analyzing this data for months as we go in towards a general election. Yeah. Are there, uh, do you do any sort of, you know, survey monkeys, exit polling, do anything with people who voted afterwards uh, checking back with them? Why, like millennials, for example, why'd you vote this way? Why'd you vote that way? We could end up doing something like that. Costs a lot of you, dough, I'm You're sure. kind of teasing out that we are doing some... Uh, exit polling right now for people who are returning their ballots for the uh, 18 primary and we're going to do a story here in I think the next few days where we're going to look at some of the issues surrounding the election. We're yeah. going to look at 
um, what people are who people are saying they're getting political mail from and hearing seeing ads from uh, issues that are driving their decision making at the election box, yeah, like uh-huh. saying, you know, what is the top issue that they thought of when they were voting, and kind of maybe split out people who are voting on the Republican and Democratic side of the governor's race and what issues are important to them. Um, and then we will have some, uh, you know, exit polling on election day after it's too late to impact any races, but for people on the inside who want to see kind of a breakdown of that absentee right. vote population and, and where they landed, we're going to get that on Tuesday. Are you with those five counties that uh, are doing the vote by mail? Yeah. Sacramento, I think Napa's another one, I think. Yeah, um, one of the coolest things we're going to have for those counties is um, in Sacramento and San Mateo County, uh, on election day, they're going to be reporting uh, people who turn in their ballots at the polling places. Uh-huh. So there's this thing that happens in campaigns right now where on election day, and I've done this a gajillion times, on election day, you call the people who are your yeses, and then you go to the polling place and you mark off the list who's voted from your supporters. Oh, okay. All and right. then you go back, it's called poll checking. You poll uh-huh. check and you mark them off and you go back to the campaign and you call the people who haven't voted. And you do that all day long. And there's campaigns that have this whole structure for get out the vote and poll checking. Well, in Sacramento, you can't poll check. Because Sacramento has gotten rid of the polling places. They have these vote centers. And anybody can vote anywhere in the county. So even if you did go to the nearest polling place to find out who had voted, they're not maintaining a list. And the list is countywide. But they're giving us the data every hour. So it looks like, right now we're in process to get this all situated, it looks like the Sacramento and San Mateo campaigns will be able to get in their PDI account the voted every hour through election day. Through election day. So they yeah. can go back and check. They can go back and check. And what will be interesting for us from an analysis perspective is if we want to get a sense of what's the scale of election day vote, yeah. we'll have Sacramento and San Mateo counties as kind of a a way of looking at who's turning out on election day. Okay. They're going to be in different election systems, but it'll be really interesting to look at and extrapolate from that what happens. But it won't be for you know, 20, 30 days until after the election until we actually get the final data on who voted at the polls and those late absentees or any provisional ballots. Right. Okay. I've run out of questions. Paul Mitchell, thank you very much. Time. Thank you. <laughs> Tim Foster, thank you very much. Sure. And we will say see you next time around. I hope after the election and figure out what, what happened. Well, maybe some other news will break before the election. You never Who know. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> Thanks again.